Hello, and welcome to Tag One Team Talks, the webinar and podcast series on emerging web technologies. I'm really excited today because we've got an amazing Tag One Team Talk episode this morning about uh, Laravel and complex business logic. My name is Preston So. I'm located here in New York City, editor-in-chief in Tag One, moderator of the Tag Team Talks, and also senior director of product strategy at Oracle. We're joined today by three of my cherished colleagues today at Tag One. Uh, first, Laszlo Horvath, who is the senior Laravel developer at Tag One. He has 13 years of experience in various technologies, mostly PHP based, specialized in Laravel and Symfony, applying them to middle to large size projects. He contributes to a variety of different Laravel and Symfony packages, including creating the Entity Hydrator for genetic, uh, generic entity hydration in Symfony and Soft Delete Cascade for doctrine, all of those words went pretty much over my head, but I'm excited to talk more about what Laszlo's working on. We're also joined today by Fabian, a mainstay on the show. Fabian is the Senior Technical Architect and Performance Lead at Tag One. Fabian Franz is also one of the five Drupal 7.4 branch maintainers. He's based in Switzerland, and he's also one of the top 50 contributors to Drupal 8, and is the maintainer for several Drupal 8 core subsystems, including BigPipe, Dynamic Page Cache, and Theme API. Now those words I know. And finally, we're joined by Michael Myers, Managing Director of Tag One, also located in New York. And uh, just to kick us off, Michael, what are some of the things that we're interested in talking about today? Why Laravel for uh, a group that has primarily talked about Drupal in the past? Yeah, great question. Everybody, thanks for joining us today. We work with a lot of tools and technologies. We're definitely most well known for our leadership in the Drupal community but we work with a lot more technologies and try to pick the best tool for the job. We're going to talk a lot about this today, but there were many advantages to using Laravel for such a data-driven application, some unique client needs, and it's exciting. It's a really cool piece of technology and it's a great fit for the project. And so we wanted to share why we chose it and some of the awesome things that we've done with it for this group. Thanks so much, Michael. And, and just to kick us off here, I mean, one of the things I know that is really interesting about this project is that it involves millions of users. I know that we can't really talk much about the actual client, but what exactly did this project entail? What's the story behind this incredible use of Laravel that we're going to be talking about today? So it's a, it's a large membership-based organization. They have millions of members across the United States broken into over 3,000 affiliates, managed by local groups that roll up into state groups and conglomerates of state groups. So it's a really complex structure. Uh, local affiliates can often be managed by volunteers or designates. And so, you know, the systems need to be really usable to a broad array. And then there's, of course, the organization itself, the national organization, and a whole team and slew of users that oversee and need to be able to jump in and do all sorts of things. It is really complex. You know, people join the system, leave the system, can hold many roles, and there's a lot of information and information that changes. You know, say you get married, you need to change your, your name, you move from one organization to another, change your address, for the benefits and dues. And so it's, it's really a critical and core part of their business because it's how they raise their money to service the organization through fees and dues. And for their members, it's how they track and receive the benefits that they get as, you know, being a part of this organization. There are also a lot of technical challenges, again, that we're going to go into, as well as internal organizational challenges. And I think a lot of organizations 
deal with this. You know, they have a lot of tools and technologies that they use, but limited funding and a limited technology team. And so internally, they have a really great uh, team that has a broad array of knowledge, but they don't necessarily have a, a tremendous amount of expertise in, you know, individual systems. And so one of the critical things here is that they're able to run and manage this system long term. And what we're doing is replacing a system that was built historically by another uh, services company and agency that really never met the needs of the application itself, but also wasn't really something that the organization could own and continue to build on top of, both because of the architecture and because of the technology choices that were used. And so a big part of this engagement is working very closely in conjunction with the organization, training and mentoring their resources, overseeing their development so that they are in a position to continue to own and maintain this internally. And one of the reasons that we're going to about picking Laravel is because we abstract a lot of the complexity once it's been put in place and enable them to fulfill their day-to-day -day needs without necessarily having to dig into that on a regular basis. It's inherently there for them. So I definitely want to dig more into uh, the choice of Laravel and, and how exactly you abstracted out that complexity. But first, you know, I know that one of the things you mentioned was, you know, changing your name, changing your address. What were some of the other core features that were involved in this project that this organization really required during the kind of discovery process and development cycle? Laszlo, Fabian, anything exciting or, or complex on a feature and functionality standpoint? I know that there were some really cool things that we did as far as managing the data from a UI standpoint, the ability to, you know, edit in place, you know, trying to make it uh, significantly more efficient to save the organization time because this is a big part of their, their resource, you know, day-to-day -day, um, work. And so every click we can save them, every minute, you know, that we can bring back to the organization is something they can use to, you know, apply to other areas and functionality. And then, you know, the fact that we have, uh, you know, an API-based system that plugs into, a, you know, a decoupled UI, it can integrate on the back end with a wide array of technologies. So their accounting system, for example, a Microsoft Great Plains Dynamics system and other internal systems need to pull data and push data into the system. I think uh, one of the more important things is just the sheer amount of data they have, like millions of numbers that gives challenges on a completely different scale because you're not just need to migrate. Migration also was a large part of this project. You don't need to migrate like like one thing and a little thing and after an hour you are done like with things but at one point before performance optimization which we very nicely did it took seven days to migrate the, the, just one part of the database and before that we were talking about like maybe I think the original estimate was like 14 days or something. We are now down to around one day, and that's pretty cool. But really, the amount of data is also already like a, like a huge challenge for the, for the organization. And because there's so much data already there, obviously, you also need to process it and, and do different things with it. So that's, that was definitely one of the challenges here in this project. 
Sounds like an incredible project. And one of the things that I wanted to ask, especially because of the fact that, you know, a lot of people have heard of Drupal, they've heard of Symfony, a lot of people have heard of Laravel, but I think it occupies a bit of this kind of gray area where people are a little bit less aware of what Laravel is. Why, why was Laravel chosen over other frameworks for this project? We dug into a little bit, but I'm curious, you know, is it just because the name sounds cool? I really like the name Laravel. I think it's a great name, but were there other reasons why Laravel was chosen and really articulated for this particular project? So, well, basically, yeah, you're correct in saying that Laravel occupies a sort of gray area. It was one of the frameworks that came a bit late to the game, so to speak. And it's internally, parts of it are, are really based on Symfony. So like internal works of Laravel use Symfony components. And well, from my, my standpoint, I would say it's, first of all, it's uh, really well structured and it allows the developers to, to really focus on just like developing the, the logic itself not waste too much time on, on doing repetitive work, but really be able to focus on, on the meat of, of the project. So really, really building out the business logic. Apart from that, since we are talking about the single page application, so we have a completely detached front end. It's also really easy and really powerful in, in building APIs. So again, when building an API, you can really just focus on, on fetching the data, returning it without having to, to worry about a lot of the other things. Plus it has a great way of, of allowing developers to control what they want to send back from the information, because as we already said or mentioned, there's a complex permission structure in place because there are different levels of affiliation and organizations. So this plays a huge role in, in deciding for Laravel. It's, it's actually, they have a built-in integration with UJS. So this actually speaks to, to it being a good choice for single page applications. And one of the main selling points is, as, as someone mentioned, the team, their internal team that should later build out the project and, and continue maintaining it was not familiar with, with Laravel or, or I think they, they know Drupal well, but uh, since they were not that familiar with any framework or they didn't have a preference in that, Laravel is a good choice because it's a lot easier to learn. It has a, a much uh, better learning curve than other frameworks like Symfony because, you know, Symfony is more, I always say like you need to be more of an engineer to, to, to do Symfony. And Laravel is more free-flowing, so it's, it's easier to dig in and really start seeing results right away. Yeah, one thing that Laravel really makes great is how it focuses so 100% on a great developer experience. This makes it really, really nice to work with tool. And anything, all those concepts, you know, from Symfony, like a dependency injection container, all of those, they've taken those same concepts and made them simple. This is kind of, I would describe the main uh, draw thing of, of Laravel. For example, another thing that honestly drew my, my mind was if you want to set up an API, you usually have to include authentication and then you have to put that token that you have to put that in into the view, into the axios and into all those things. And maybe you need to set up an authentication token factory like or a service or whatever. So it's, it's really complex. 
usually. Like you go through some tutorial, of course you reach somewhere. In Laravel, it's one line of code. It's, it's really one line you add and your whole view front end can speak with Laravel automatically, magic, transparent. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like this line of code, it, it allows everything to do that automatically. That was really great experience in that. And uh, speaking of APIs, it was also one important part here. What's usually not a good idea technologically is allow, to allow everyone to just directly write into the database. Because while with stored procedures, you can do things like triggers, where you can have an audit trail or other things. In, in modern world, you really, really want your database be specified on a schema, but then you want to um, hide this database complexity behind way easier APIs. And that's also why Laravel was a very good choice for this project is because if you want to build everything API-based anyway, a single page application is the next natural choice because then everything is API-based. You are basically dog-fooding your API-based approach so that other systems in the future, like a third-party system, like, like internal third-party system, like combining needs to get data from the same database can use those APIs to basically get their data out and in and, and convene with that. So that's one way to, to basically build up a database that you're building internally to the organization up to success by providing this API layer that can then be used for everything within the organization to interface within that database. And I think that's, that's also a very powerful way. And again, here Laravel has some strengths. And um, on the other hand, everything is a lot more bare bounds than what we're used to from Drupal. Uh, for example, just uh, for our audience that are familiar with Drupal, you have something akin to entities, which is so-called models, but they are like directly added to tables. And then you add like things like you want to go to some other tables, so you define relationships like this has one, for example, a user has one email address or um, things like that. And by doing that, you very simply can, can build up basically this complex structure in the database. You can describe the same logic in your application. And again, this is when you have to work with very custom data models. It's a pretty good way to ensure you can, can build an application that tailors to your database and not an application that defines the schema like that. And there was really another uh, huge advantage here in that. And yeah, it, it makes everything basically simpler than Symfony, for example. So that's a really cool, cool thing. Fabian, so, what's the backend database that you guys are using for this? In this case, it's a Microsoft SQL Server thing. So uh, Laravel can work easily with MySQL, but it can also work, as seen here, with MySQL, uh, MS SQL Server. So Microsoft, there's other bindings. Um, basically, yeah, so that works well. Yeah, so, so far, we haven't had any issues with with some custom stuff that's that's applied only to to my to MS SQL Server. So I was actually surprised that it works this well. I was I was interested in seeing how it works because it's really an odd choice to use like PHP and then. MS SQL Server, but so far, really, like what we're doing, three months of work already, not a single issue was 
was noted. I really expected to like, okay, finally I'm going to submit like to, to Eloquent is called your ORM tool that, that Laravel is, is using. I was ready to submit like a bug report, like, okay, this is not working in, in SQL Server, but so far it's, it's gone without a hitch. And awesome. it's, it's really important because as Fabian, as you mentioned, when you have an existing structure, a tool like, like Eloquent really helps because you have the freedom to, to build out your model without having to, to alter the database because you know, all the modern, modern frameworks have this, have this way of, yeah, define your code and then the database will be generated based on your code. Like you, you define the class system in, in code like entities in, in Symfony or Drupal. And in, case, in this case, you really have a database that has 20, 30 years of data in it. So it's not an option to you know, build out the model in the code and then like hope to, to somehow fit everything together. So, this is this yeah. is one of the the good good things about Laravel. Yeah, this was also for this particular client very important for them to be able to say um, because, as I said, the data migration was a huge part of this project, but also designing this database structure. So while the data is forty years and more older, it all gets important into a very fresh database. So in theory the model of the application providing that thing would have worked. But the problem is, and that was kind of what their previous database was like, if you do something like that, then you have the problem that writing reports can get very tricky at times because you have very requirements that are very important and that you need to generate some reports just for the business to work correctly. And um, if you can't generate those reports, you're basically toast. And so one of the other parts of the project, not related to Laravel, but more in general, was that we took care that we said we need to build, we need to migrate this data as soon as possible. And then we need to build out all this report so that we can prove that the system works. And not just after the fact, after it has been built for three years or whatever, they see we cannot get the report that we need. <laughs> so... But yeah, here Laravel really was, was, was nicely adjusted to being able to fit to whatever data structure you throw at it. Wonderful. And I know that one of the things that I'm sure is going to be very interesting to our Drupal audience is also the notion of Laravel adopting uh, Vue.js. I want to just turn to that just very briefly here because I'm very curious. What exactly does that mean when we say that Vue.js uh, can be used with Laravel? And how did this client use Vue.js with Laravel? But maybe before we actually turn there, let's just tease the audience a little bit because I know we're talking about the front end. Let's turn first to the back end challenges because I think this really extends upon what both of you were talking about. So here's, here's a really uh, interesting example that I know Michael wanted to call out. You know, there's this idea in a variety of different dashboards and reports of a filtering component. Now, I understand that you were able to use an existing package for this. How did the kind of ecosystem surrounding Laravel help solve a lot of the backend challenges that you had? So, uh, Fabian, do you want to proceed? Or? Yeah, uh, just, just a quick intro. So, um, from the Drupal world, we are used to, there's a module for that. And now you come into the PHP or even, God forbid, the JavaScript world. And yes, there's an NPM package for that. It has around 10,000 requirements. <laughs> and then, uh, so from Drupal, we are, we are basically used to there's one module for one job for one thing. And forking is really, well, 
it's a little bit discouraged. It, it seldomly happens that something is forked. And so we really um, have this, if you know there's a model, you usually know it's of high quality. And that was particular in the PHP world in general, in the MPM world, it's not always the case. However, Laravel here and the ecosystem around it has really astounded me in that, that many, many, many of the packages that are available are of very high quality. So uh, this again speaks to the, to the nice ecosystem that Laravel has built, that many of those uh, packages are really high quality, nicely to use, and yeah, and here giving to Glasgow to introduce that some more. <laughs> yeah, so what one of the things we noticed when we got there so one of the most the most important requirement for for the apis was that they are generic that there's no duplication of code no copy pasting and that it's very easy to extend and like perform some some actions without having to to really do a lot of implementation behind it so what we what we when we got to the project we noticed that the, some of the things were already were started to, to be built out in this generic fashion. And then we were like, hey, there's a, there's a package for this. So this is something that I constantly do when, when doing Laravel, like, okay, I should do this, but let's first check if there's something on this subject. And you just check and they, they, they already done it. So there's really, if you just dig up the documentation, they have so many powerful things out of the box. Like it's, it, it really helps in 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 focusing on on just doing the logic and not not wasting time on, on things like this. In our case, since the APIs had to use like generic filtering and sorting and eager loading, there's there's a great package. It's called Query Builder from one of the core Laravel developers who already encapsulated all this. So you, you, what you do is just you know you you have your API endpoint. You specify you have the documentation. You take what you need. You specify it through the front end, you get, and basically the back end already sends you the data in the format that you need. So with, we had some work to do it, to adjust it, but it was really minimal, so. Yeah, so to make this more <laughs> concrete of what this does is, let's say you wanna return a member and the member has, has an address and you wanna return the address in the same API call. And all you have to do is basically add to the API call list include and then you include that you want to for that member address you want to include those and then due to the relationship being already defined that one member has an address it gets automatically put in so again it's it's nice nice developer experience here again uh, that we are seeing yeah because you know in 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 other you always have like a a trade-off either you will load like <laughs> i already met applications that you know you have you want uh, to show a list of 100 entries so let's say in this case you want to show 100 members and each member has has a relationship to an address to an email to social media to bank account to whatever other information and then you end up with like pulling one third of the database on an api call because you know we want to display all the data and the other end is you end up with a lot of API calls because you load the basic data and then for each row you have to, you get like, okay, these are the routes to the other information. If you want to load it, then you do a lookup from the front end and then you end up with, with a bunch of API calls that just cause a lot of server 
activity that you could like save with with a, with a much simpler call. So in this case, we have like a, a best of both worlds approach where the package itself allow us to to include the information that we need dynamically. So if you want, you can just just get a flat list with just the base information from from your model, or for listeners who are more familiar with entities. And in the other case, if you want to show like a relationship data in the, in the table as well. So let's say if, if a member has an address, you can just specify it and you can even drill down to, to the field level. So you can say, okay, the address itself has 50 fields in the, in the table, but I don't need all of them. I just need like a street address, state, and that's it. So you can just say, okay, just give me the address ID, give me the, the street address and the state, and it will be done like that. So this is, yeah. this is one of the, one of the, good parts of, about this package. So basically there has been a certain push of certain developer types that say, hey, every API needs to be very pure. It needs to be a pure in that it only returns like the raw data and then you need to do another Ajax call for the address, etc., like that. And then, then you have GraphQL, which basically allows you also to do such query, querying from the, from the uh, client which then is, is basically doing the same. But Laravel, basically, it's pragmatic. That's kind of what I would call yeah, it. Um, that's that's the best expression, yeah. It, it allows you to be pure if you want to be, but it's pragmatic by default. That it gives you the best out of both worlds, and that's really great. Another yeah. package we used originally, not in the end, but originally it's paid package, but it was still pretty nice for some early stage demos, was Laravel. Laravel Nova, and with that we were able to demo at least that all the data is now in the system. We can access it, we can drill down, and again that was already making an impression uh, early on in the sprint when the front end and back end was not built out yet much, just to be able to see all the data. So that was also pretty good. Uh, Laravel Nova is like I used a bunch of scaffolding applications in different technologies, from .NET to Java. But Laravel Nova was the like the easiest one to set up and to to like, as you said, just to be able to okay, this is the data, you can just display it and then have time to to develop your your own app. It's it's really powerful and it's also developed by the core team, so you know that it's of high quality. I'm really interested in in talking more about the kind of. Uh, how you describe Laravel as being pragmatic. We'll, we'll take that offline. But uh, Fabian, hey, and Laszlo, I'm kind of curious. One of the things that you mentioned as well was, you know, we talked about filtering a little bit. We talked about eager loading. But what about enabling some of these really complex workflows? You know, I know that one of the things that has to happen with these members in this application is that they have to be able to do certain complex things, engage in a process over a period of steps. What exactly, how exactly did you use Laravel to make these complex workflows really streamlined and uh, much more uh, easy to build and also really straightforward for the uh, member side of things. So as like the, like the saying goes in Laravel, there's a package for that. So in this case, there's a, there's a fairly cool package. It's called Laravel Actions, which is, which is like focusing on, they're called invocable classes. So it's basically an action as its name defines it, it's just focused on executing one action. And how it, how it affects development is 
when you think of a workflow, it consists of certain steps. So I don't know, you have a, a new member, you want to make sure that you fill out all the info, all the most important data. You want to verify that information, and then you want to like either activate it, activate that member, or maybe you want to to get some more information and things like this. So, in in this case, each step would be one action, and you just chain the actions together into a certain workflow. So, because they have a, a lot of complex workflows where based on membership changes, based on like maybe even like moving an address, for example, maybe they need to change the affiliation, things like this. They have a certain certain steps that they need to go through. Like the, the organization is there for a long time. So it's normal in big organizations with, with 3 million members, they also, they, of course, they have to have like process for everything. And this process results in, in these workflows. So what, what, uh, what the package enabled us to do is just like build out single steps and you can reuse them in each workflow as you wish. So it's, it's pretty cool also from, because I'm always interested in the, in the design pattern slash software architecture side of things. For me, it was really cool because it really plays well with, with certain patterns that, that allow you to, to set up complex workflows without having the complexity in the code itself. Like, you know, otherwise you would, you would get certain parts of the code that would be hard to maintain and hard to test out actually. And in this case, writing a test for an action is like, okay, you have, you have one test case, maybe it's, it's defined by the data that flows in and that's it. So it's really easy to test, test out and make sure that it, that it works properly. Yeah. Again, again, it speaks to the, pragmatically being being level in that it makes design patterns which are pretty complex or can be pretty complex easy to use but not over abstracted that's kind of kind of the point because java java being the prime example of having basically all design patterns that exist on earth and php also going in in parts uh, to this one of the larger problems is that you you get so abstracted that you get lost in translation or you get lost in the in the iterator or lost in in the decorator where you have five layers of decorators that are decorating each other etc and where in in the end you have so much complexity that uh, a a team that is more uh, at the normal developer level to junior level will have very very hard times to even grasp what this code is even doing anymore and someone in five years will like have to click five times to do that and this fortunately level is not <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so level really is 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 pragmatic here in that you define your action it does one thing it does it well think like a unix command and you can have an isolate test and that's it and it works yeah, yeah so Think of, for example, a good example in this is, for example, if you want a certain action to be asynchronous. So for example, I don't know, this action is ex- export 20,000 rows from the data table into a CSV file, for example. You don't want this to be like, to, to, you don't want the request to wait for, for the response from this action. You just say, okay, now I want it to be asynchronous. It's basically just one line of code and, the action will be called asynchronously. It will be done 
done in the background and your code can go on and do wonderful things and then you just decide what to do with when when the call is over but basically it's it's just a one-liner i can relate in symphony if you want you have to find a bundle or a package that does this that you have to include it and you have to trigger an event you have to give it the payload and you you have a whole structure that you need to go through before you are able to to really just you know do the thing that you want to do and here you just say you take the action that you had and you say like okay this is queuable and that basically it, it will take the configuration and trigger trigger it itself and that's it so really it's a really cool cool thing it takes a while to not not a while but you know it's if you come fresh to this it's great if you come from a world where you are used to like having to jump through to hoops to achieve your goal it can be astounding to to know like wow i can just add one line and that's it like i'm not used to this and then i'm like okay you know as when you do a lot of software development you realize that the complexity has to be somewhere you know it's if you do a lot of simple actions they will have to be bundled together somewhere and the complexity will end up there and with laravel the complexity is taken away from you into the into the core package so they take take out all this okay you need to wire this together and you need to call this and that and just give you a one liner that you can call and and just focus on on your stuff so that that's what's what's really what's really cool about and all the packages that are that are developed for laravel they they follow this the same design principle like make it easy for the developer to use it and then it will be used so don't don't over engineer make it as you said pragmatic and it will it will be used and that's that's what we had with with all the packages that we included in the project amazing and i guess just on the topic of abstraction one of the things that i think is really interesting about this project is that you leveraged a lot of the existing capabilities that were available in laravel to enable access control at a variety of different levels how did that work exactly and how does the access control that was provided to these users relate to the filtering that we've already described so from from a, a business side perspective we already touched briefly on the subject it and to basically users are always part of a certain affiliate so they are always part of some organization let's call them organizations because it's i think it's easier to to envision that and of course these the users should only see the information that's available in this organization they shouldn't be able to see like all the information that that's out there so like the first we have this really low level filtering that says like just show the user the data that he's allowed to see this is what we call like a first level low level filter that's basically what we had to do in laravel and what's what was really easy to achieve is to have this it's called a scope it's a global scope for laravel definition this is a bit of a technical term but what it does is it takes all the queries that are that are ran through eloquent and it applies a certain filter to them so you can define what the filter does and what it what it does is all the data that can be filtered by a certain affiliate in this case will be filtered with with this affiliate so it can be one or it can be multiple affiliates but the important thing is all the data is filtered this way so you will never end up in a situation where a user will see data that's that's not that shouldn't be available to him the good side about this is if if you want to do some reporting for example 
and you want to see cross affiliate and you want to see everything, you can easily do this by just disabling the, the, the filter. So you, it's, it's possible. And the benefit of this is the developers don't need to take care of it. You know, you just, you just code away and the system will, will take care of, of, of all of these things. And, you know, you, you don't have to apply conditions to your queries anywhere or to, to eloquent, eloquent queries. You can just, you know, write, write the code that you, that you need to write. So yeah. then, sorry. Um. For, for our other viewers, this is very similar to how node access control works in Drupal, uh, where basically one thing can get, can grant access control to, to another node. Basically, you are part of an organization because that your user is part of this organization and this organization that can then grant a content node the access control. So if you are part of this, you will automatically be having this access control. So that's one part of, of how Drupal can make this possible, or the other is a simple query holder, <laughs> uh, where within Drupal you have to implement like three things, a views query holder, an entity query holder, and a normal query holder, if you want to have all the use cases in there. But if, for example, all your Drupal is, is built up on views, it can be as simple as adding a mandatory filter to every view. And then you also have that. Here again, uh, Laravel just gives you some concepts of uh, making it possible to do this. That you can, uh, it's basically giving you again a framework of, of how you can implement those access control and filtering. It's still not easy <laughs> because it's, it's, it's a hard topic regardless in that it just as a caveat on that. But this will basically allows you to do this like node access or group access or group filtering that Drupal also can do in, in Laravel. And this is how we, how we were able to achieve that for ensuring that, for example, if you choose something on the front end, we are not always passing this back to the back end where basically anyone could hack, hey, I want to use some other group instead and want to look at that. But because it's server-side side, you only have access to those and this is filtered for you automatically, you cannot basically hack this. So until the front end also does not need to deal with it, the front end can just display, hey, display me all members. And depending on the server-side scope, it will get back different data. Yeah, and I think uh, front end also is next. I hope. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is this was one of the types of filtering that we had. We had another two layers of, of filtering added, as you as you Fabian already mentioned. We had we had also the goal to or the, the requirement to to be able to filter on an organizational level. So not just give me all all the data from all the organizations I have access to, but give me data for a specific organization. And this meant that all the data, all the all the data in all the tables that we have, had to be filtered down by this organization. And again, it was fairly, I mean, easy. It's 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 easy to to set it up, but then to implement it, you have to you have as a there's a caveat to that where you have to to implement the use cases. But it was still it, there's a place for it, and and you know exactly where you need to go to to achieve that. And then there we had the third level of filtering that was like the dynamic filtering that the users themselves can apply, which means if you have a table that's displaying members and then you go, want to go and say, okay, give me all the members that are from a certain state, 
because you want to organize an event in that state and then you want to invite those people. So this is also fairly easy. I mean, for, for the basic use cases, it's, it just goes down to filter the, the table based on some information, but you can come across some more complex situations where you need to like even, even invoke some business logic before or after applying the filters. And it's also fairly simple in, in Laravel. You can, you can do that. You can just define a filter class and implement it and you know, it, will, it will take care of the work for you. And you just pass it, of course, you pass it through the, through the call and this, this, will be, this will be done. Wonderful. Well, you know, we talked a lot about kind of the backend logic and how you all have really successfully abstracted out a lot of this complexity that's in the business logic. Let's talk a little bit about where users actually interact with this, with these workflows and, and leverage things like Laravel Actions uh, from, from their standpoint behind this kind of glass layer, which is the front end. And one of the questions I think is on everyone's mind, especially as they listen to this is, well, this is a very complex application. Why did you go with the single page application approach? Were there considerations maybe to go with a traditional model, a more monolithic approach? Well, there were certainly uh, pros and cons in, in, in both approaches. So you know, people are more, more used to maybe the, the monolithic, the, the, I call it old school <laughs> approach, which of course has its, has its benefits. But in this case, I mean, you know, the, the web is uh, not now, it's, it's, it's been moving this way for a long time already. But, you know, this is like, especially for, for these kind of hidden business side apps that are not where SEO is not important, where you don't have to take care of marketing and branding or whatever, where you can really focus on, on like data management, because after all, this is a data management platform that we're talking about. And it's kind of natural for it to be, you know, to, to enable the users to do much more things without having to wait each time for the page to load because every run to the server and, and, and getting the information back takes, it, takes a certain amount of time. You know, you can do a lot of caching, you can do a lot of optimizations, but in the end, you will have to go through the, through the whole cycle each time. And in this case, you can really like focus on okay, so now I have had this page, I have all these available actions on this page and each of them will take a certain amount of milliseconds. And we are talking about like two, two digit, low three digit numbers, which, which make the whole experience for the user like really pleasant because you can just click around and things are happening instantly without having to wait for the page to load and for information to become available. So this is like one of the, one of the things that I stress always to people who, okay, so you, so you want to have a B2B app or you want to have like a, an, a platform for managing data, then this is, a, this is a good choice. It certainly adds a certain amount of complexity because now you have a full stack environment. You just don't have your, your normal environment where you can focus on, on PHP and just building out the, the HTML or, or whatever. Now you have to like decide where to store some of the logic. So some of it belongs to the front end, some of it goes to the back end. But when you're when you know what you're doing, it's it's a much, much more it's a much better approach than than just just doing the old school way. Yeah, absolutely. One other thing is as I've said already they need to dog food the APIs. So if you don't use those APIs, um, they'll be in some corner crying and be left <laughs> forgotten. So 
um, it's really important that those APIs are used, that the application is built with these APIs, so that made an uh, SPA approach, the single page application approach, kind of the only one. Obviously, especially for something that is called a membership application, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to actually be an application. And I mean, we've all seen how rich applications feel very similar to desktop applications nowadays uh, to a good made uh, mobile application uh, feels almost just indistinguishable from, from a native application, except for maybe some speed or latency. So um, it really made, made sense here and that. On the other hand, legacy is coming back. It's not only me, but also Laszlo will be talking way later here and uh, announcing something nice for, for people. And I've been also talking about basically bringing, bringing legacy applications back to ensure that this full stack also has a lot of problems and you also always have to compile your view. You have to, um, and Laravel again is so pragmatic. It makes it the most simple to, to, to implement a view thing. It's, it's like, it feels natural in that. You just have all the steps set up for, out for you and you basically can just start building from, from day zero in that you don't have to do large plumbing first and, and set everything up. But really, you just define your component and it's found, you can use it. And the rest is, again, done automatically for you, how it should be. But yeah, uh, Legacy will be making a comeback, I would say, right now in that. It's already happening, yeah. But um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more at the end. <laughs> Wonderful. So the kind of, you know, we talked a little bit about the APIs and the link between how we can handle presentation and data within this application. How are you actually building the front end with Vue.js? And, and this really brings us to kind of the, the actual interior of the, and the inner workings of the single page application in Vue.js. So yeah, Vue.js was the natural choice because it, it plays so well with Laravel. And the next step was to find like, okay, now we want to, to, to use Vue.js. So we need to like use, there are some basic components that you want to, to use everywhere. So if you have tables, you want a data table defined once and you don't want to have to, to, to like implement a lot of things all the time and just basically do, it boils down to copy pasting. So there are a couple of frameworks that are really good. So component frameworks for, for Vue.js. Uh, yeah, Beautify, which, which we end up choosing, and Kazar are probably the two most widely used ones. But Beautify is by far the simplest one to integrate. So it's, it plays well with a lot of CSS frameworks. So you, whatever you choose from, from the CSS standpoint, be it Material, Bootstrap, Tailwind, whatever you want to, it's, it's fairly simple to, to integrate it with, with Beautify. And it has a, a, a huge repository of, of components that you can just plug in and, and start using. So this was from, from the front end standpoint, this, is, this was the, like the biggest choice we had to make. And so far, I, we didn't run into any problems. We, didn't, we basically didn't have to, to code to change any behavior. We didn't have to, like, I'm used to, I did a lot of view and a lot of Angular projects. And sometimes I ended up browsing through the GitHub, finding the, the component that I need and then checking the inner workings to actually be able to, to do something. And here, all I had to do was like 
browse the documentation if I, I was not unsure on, on how to, to get something done and, and that was it. So it was really a, a pleasant ride for me. Yeah, we did a, did a pretty large review of uh, several different technologies that were available to us at that time uh, when we did the choosing. And I've also looked at a lot of the inner workings of code and Beautify came out as most clean in all of that, uh, where the components even looked a little bit like React-like. Um, so very clean components, very nicely to use. And for example, such things, for example, like a flip card, you just define a flip card and then you nest the slots be, be below like the children and it just works. And this is how a component should be. You use it, you take a look at the documentation and also data tables. It made it really, really simple to do those more larger complex things that are usually taking a lot of time to build out uh, in applications and such. It saved us time, <laughs> basically. Well, speaking of time, we are running short on time here today. I really think we can talk for another couple hours about Beautify and some of these really interesting elements of the project. I'm particularly interested in the kind of component architecture that you just described, Fabian. Unfortunately, we are out of time, so I do want to take a little bit of an aside tag here and talk a little bit about some of the other things that we're working on out in the world today. I guess I'll go ahead and start, and we'll just go around the table and uh, hear from everyone about Something cool or interesting that you want to share with the audience that you're working on, shameless plug, could be an interesting piece of content you're working on, could be a cool project. So this week I've been uh, working with the Decoupled Days team. Decoupled Days is the kind of premier and uh, first ever community-led headless CMS conference in New York City. It's also the kind of decoupled Drupal unofficial conference as well. And uh, this week is your last week to get, I'm not sure when this will be posted actually, so maybe I shouldn't say this, but we are working very hard to prepare for the conference. You can get tickets right now at decoupleddays.com. By the time this comes out, sessions will probably be announced. Although with the uh, current situation around the world in terms of public health, we'll see how that goes. So decoupledays.com if you want to check that out. And uh, let's go ahead and switch over to Laszlo. What's your aside tag for today? Uh, yeah, so we actually touched on it or Fabian mentioned it and I completely agree. So the backend is kind of coming back. So, so like legacy apps are, are making their way back. And to honor this, there's a really cool new Laravel project slash package that was announced a couple months ago. Now it's already available. It's actually really easy to include it in the upcoming Laravel 7 release. It's called LiveWire and it's like, it makes it so much easier to, to, you know, to create components that will seamlessly integrate with, with, with your existing application or if you're starting a new one, it can like, it, it allows developers to really code how they used to code. So if you're used to like, legacy apps and how you code on them, how you, how you structure your code, where you put your components and everything. It actually allows you to, to do the same thing. And, but on the other hand, it seamlessly integrates between components and the backend so that you can, you can leverage APIs and things like that without having to worry about wiring, without having to, to, specifically, to specifically call like Ajax and, and perform Ajax calls, you can just, it does it out of the box. So it's, it's, really, it's really a cool feature. And the shameless plug would be that I'm currently writing a plugin for, for IntelliJ, so for PHP Storm, 
that will enable users to use autocomplete features and things like that with with the live IO package. Yeah, so. basically, um, uh, LiveFire implements a huge part of the vision that I've shared at DrupalCon. I was not aware of that at that time. <laughs> so basically, they, they did all of that. They did use, even in Laravel 7, they've now switched over to define components no longer in Blade, like with an add syntax, but completely as tags. They just do the X and then the component. You can just define a component and you can also create a comp as class. But if you're not PHP savvy, you can also define a component with some properties just as, as a blade file. So it's really, really great. It also takes the best, best of the world of, of what we had in Drupal Ajax system and still people are using. It takes this and makes it uh, 10 or 20 times better <laughs> in that it makes a developer experience of using this so easy. Drupal Ajax still is like this. You have to go through all those steps to, to, to make something. And really, you, you for example, you have some counter and when you increment it, you just put a, put like a, like, like similar to a view virtual property via colon click equals increment. And then it automatically calls the increment method on your class in the backend whenever someone clicks this button. And this is just, that's why we are saying uh, backend is coming back because it basically does all the things of, of, of Vue or whatever in, in, in simple things, but really as a pure backend, backend application in that. Combined with TurboLinks, uh, you're pretty much at, at near single page application thing. It's unfortunately not as data driven as I would like, but it's really HTML driven. They speak of HTML as a data structure and I, I assume they'll be running into some problems in the future with that as well, but it's still a very interesting thing. The thing I want to talk about is Tailwind because we've, we've started to use this and Tailwind is this crazy thing where uh, you basically put inline styles as the critics like to, to call it. So you, if you want to style something, you put like text center and then you put uh, MD uh, uh, font large uh, and such things. So, and people like are saying, hey, these are inline styles, they never worked. But when inline styles originally had been, had been invented, those inline styles had been where you had like a thousand HTML pages that you were putting in HTML by hand, etc. So the cascade made a lot of sense. But today we are in a component-based world and it's so much uh, more simple to just not have to invent a class for everything you would want to style. So for example, you have a card, and you need to put card. This is a card, and this is a, or this is a button, or whatever. And instead, by now you have your Vue button component, your Laravel button component, maybe in the future your Drupal button component, and well, we've gone away from that. And then you can really just put put your classes in there, and you don't need an external CSS file. And this makes such it makes things much more scalable because one of the things I found on many of our legacy projects is that the CSS gets to be immutable over time. That means no one dares to change it anymore because no one knows what side effects it would have. And that means only new CSS gets added. And that happened not only with our project, 
long legacy projects, even with, with the best developers in the world, it happens. And the proof of that is it happened to Salesforce, it happened to GitHub, it happened to all those organizations that are basically had the same problem of only new code was written. And the more developers you have, the worse the problem gets. And this is basically taking those global changes that change everything. You change one class, it can change everything back to localized changes. If you change this part of the HTML, if you change this template, it will only affect this template. And this is just absolutely fantastic because it allows you to prototype very nicely. It allows you to work very fast and we're trying it out and it feels very weird to write HTML with all those classes in first, but it makes a lot of sense. So try it out, tailwindcss.org, I think, <laughs> maybe .com. But yeah, tailwindcss, you'll be able to find it. Awesome, thanks Fabian. Uh, how about you, Michael? What's your side tag for today? I wanted to mention the Acquired podcast outside of, of course, the uh, tag team talks. The Acquired podcast is uh, my favorite. It's awesome. They talk about tech IPOs and startups and they cover everything from the history of the founder through to the history of the company, what's made it successful, the challenges, the business models, future predictions. So for example, you know, which was a two-part series on the history of Elon Musk and what led him to becoming the quote-unquote founder of Tesla. And, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur and someone who's worked on a lot of startups, it's really awesome to hear about like the trials and tribulations of, you know, of Elon, you know, leading up to this and the near failures and catastrophic ends to Tesla along the way. So it, it's fascinating. And it also, I think, has taught me a lot about, you know, how to run a business, including things that we can leverage at Tag One, listening to like the Shopify talk and how they leverage partner relationships early on, you know, reminds me of our approach to Tag One Quo and partnering with agencies, with rev shares to, to grow our market. So if you're interested in, in startups and technology companies, I highly recommend you check it out. And they actually gave me the idea for this new section in our podcast at the end of their talks. They bring up something interesting and exciting that's going on that you should check out. So I hope you guys like this new section. We're looking for a name for it. So please, please reach out to us if you've got a, a great name for what we should call this section and check out the Acquired podcast at acquired.fm. Well, I'm personally a fan of a side tag, but I think it's a joke that'll go over a lot of people's heads. So <laughs> I agree with our name. Alrighty. Well, we are just about out of time. I want to say a big thanks to Laszlo and Fabian and Michael for joining us today. As we mentioned at every single end of this, um, at the end of every single tag one team talks episode, all of these links that we mentioned today are going to be online with the talk, whether you're interested in Beautify or Tailwind CSS, uh, Fabian, or other things that we've mentioned today, they'll all be available um, in conjunction with this talk. If you do enjoy these episodes, please feel free to upvote, subscribe, share it with your friends and family, your grandparents, um, and also check out past talks that we've done at tag1.com slash tag team talks. You can always suggest a topic, give us some tips, drop us a line at tag team talks at tag one consulting.com. I want to thank everyone today for joining us as well as my dear friends, Laszlo, Michael, and Fabian. And until next time.